0: So today I interview with a warrior we received for the first time in English, Shifu uh, Lauren Bernard, that we received in our French podcast already. But we thought that we could explore his past, his uh, own uh, journey as a martial artist and his legacy. And it was uh, really a blast. He's uh, really uh, funny and uh, he has uh, many anecdotes
1: and uh, he's really interesting and if you want to support us you can go to the patreon the link is right there and uh so there's mini level at a uh, really cheap uh cheap uh price it's like one dollar two dollars or ten dollars if you have a dojo and you want to co-host an episode with us and uh thank you guys if you already support us it's really uh, appreciate much appreciated and uh if you want to uh, support without uh, paying and nothing you just gotta support uh share comment and um just like Thank you, guys. Have a good podcast. <laughs> the battles are never ending, I know. But we will get up and get on with the fight. And we'll do whatever for what is right. Just put your trust in us and us so this week at interview with a wire we receive for the second time on the on the channel Lauren bernard hi Lauren, it it is a honor to have you thanks for coming thank you Uh, so today uh it is your first time on the channel so for solo so we would like to know when you start martial art how it come in your life and um with who do you start
2: okay well i actually started with my father a bit of boxing as so many children do taught me to keep my hands up and throw left, right, and don't cry when you get hit kind of thing, you know. Uh, and that actually, when I was a kid, coming from a rough neighborhood, just that saved my butt on several occasions. Just keep your hand up, left, right, and won quite a few fights just with that. But uh, then I did a bit of judo and CJP like in a gym class, so uh, not even a white belt, basically. And then, uh, um, but I did see I had a, an interest for that, for martial arts, and it was kind of exotic, And uh, in 1983, I went to university and I saw a demonstration at Concordia University and uh, the man was letting people from the crowd punch him in the stomach. And I was like, what? And it was obviously not fixed. It was just anybody and some big jocks came and punched him and he was just laughing at them. And I was like, wow, what's that? And then I remember he punched down and I had never seen a punch like that because in boxing, you're not allowed to punch like that. And uh, anyways, my friend, I was kind of shy. My friend says, let's join, let's join. So we joined in, in university. It's very inexpensive, maybe, I don't know, $40 a semester, at least in those days. And uh, so we went, and I wasn't very good, but I loved it. And my friend lasted like two months, and I lasted 40 years, basically. you know. So
0: Yeah, it was already White Crane?
2: Yes. The, the man's name was uh, Augustine Wu. And uh, he lives in Toronto now. And he he had studied white crane in a small town called Cebu in Malaysia. So what happens is in Malaysia, there's a lot of Chinese people who went to Malaysia... From about 1870 to, to well, I'm not sure what year, maybe 1960, but it was a lot of them during the Second World War running away from the Japanese because the Japanese yeah. were just raping and killing everybody. All over. So they went to Malaysia, but of course the Japanese ended up in Malaysia too. So what mm-hmm. happened in Malaysia is you had a lot of real good old school Kung Fu like you don't even have in China anymore. Or not much, you know. And uh, so so this gentleman, Augustine Wu, as a child, saw this white crane master like in his backyard practicing and asked to be a student. And then that school became quite famous. There was a lot of students. But he only studied, I'm not sure, three years, five years, whatever. And he was a, a young man. And then he moved to Canada. Now, uh, you guys are maybe too young, but Bruce Lee had just died. Kung fu was the thing. And uh, everybody wanted to learn. And there wasn't many teachers. And a lot of the Chinese people wouldn't teach non-Chinese uh, for for. For racist reasons, basically, or because they yeah. had been victims of racism and didn't want to teach guys twice their size or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, so I, so the, so my kung fu comes from Malaysia, but it's actually from China, of course. And uh, so this guy asked, uh, 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 came to Canada. People saw him training in the park. Obviously, it was real kung fu, which was not the case because in those days, real kung fu was well, just wasn't any. You couldn't see it anywhere, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, 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 Um, so, so he started teaching at Loyola and then Concordia where I met him. And then about um, six or seven years later, he moved to Toronto and left me to school. And, um, let me see. So that's 1983. I started 1988, 89. He wrote a letter in the old, the old way. You have to give a formal letter of introduction without the letter is no way, you know? And uh, Mm -hmm. he gave that letter to his teacher and his teacher's students in Malaysia, so I went to Malaysia with a letter, and uh, that kind of changed my life. Because then I went, oh mm. my god, this is real kung fu. I, like I could see that the old master knew all these weapons and like could fight with them all, and I had fought with them all. And you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. you fought with the staff for real? Oh yeah. Did you kill the guy? Mm. No comment. You're like, okay, mm. you know, like, uh, and they do the Chinese medicine, and so so that changed my life. And uh, eventually, uh, unfortunately, my relations with my first teacher weren't weren't so great. But uh, 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 the, the heir of the system, the son of the, the boss, uh, mm-hmm. his name was mm-hmm. Li Zhu-chan. Me, he was almost my age, so he was fantastic, I was, I was in awe, but we also became friends, so sometimes we would have a, dr- a drink together or whatever, so yeah. the relation lasted about 10 years, where I, I used to, in Chinese we say subwo, subo means uh, uncle, so he's mm-hmm. not my teacher, he's my uncle, maybe like uh, sensei senpai, you know, mm-hmm. so, so we call Subo, uncle. So I would call him Subo, but really he was my teacher, but I was stuck in this no man's land of politics, which, is, as you know, in martial arts, there's a lot of politics, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yes. Everybody goes, whoa, yeah. So a- anyways, eventually it got solved. He became my master, and uh, that's how I got so uh, uh, proficient in, uh, in Kung Fu.
0: And can you recall well, for us the first time you... You was uh, in Malaysia. It was surely a shock culturally.
2: Oh man! Uh, I, I I fly to Singapore, and my teacher told me cut your hair because this is the 80s. I was a hippie. I had long hair. He tells me if you don't cut your hair, they will cut your hair in the airport. And I thought he was joking. He's dude, I'm not joking. They will cut your hair in the airport. No way. So I get there. I'm like, uh. Oh. And then you get there, and there's a big signs everywhere: Singapore, Malaysia. Dada equals death. You know dada is drugs you get caught one joint dead so so that was a no no so you just see like oh my god i get in the plane to go from singapore to uh, sarawak on borneo so it's you have to fly over the ocean it's like uh, 45 minutes or an hour you know the plane has propellers everybody's smoking in the plane everybody and you're like what uh, am I doing here? You know what I mean? Like, I can't breathe. And then the guy looks at me nervous. I go, yeah. He goes, okay, the propeller planes are safer than the jets. I'm like, okay. You know? Uh, Very interesting. And when we get there, half the school is waiting at the airport because I had this letter of introduction, you know, and they're all big really dark Chinese guys. So you expect Chinese guys to be of light skin, but because they live in the hot countries, they're they're like dark Filipinos, you know? And I'm like, uh, you guys Chinese? Yeah, okay. And they're all big fat guys, not what I expected, you know? And and they're, the one thing that, that's very nice is that they're so, uh, in French, we say, so friendly, so giving. Uh, we don't really have that here. I'm always shocked when I come back from Malaysia, how, how we're cold. Maybe it's our northern... You know, in Malaysia, I would be eating in a restaurant, and I'd go to pay, and a guy goes, that guy paid. I'm like, what guy? I don't even know the guy. Some guy paid because I was a foreigner. All the time. All the time. Uh, or people, you know, I, I used to smoke back in those days because Chinese men all smoke, so if you're cool, you smoke. I, I don't smoke anymore, just so we're clear there, but but I used to smoke back in the day. Guys would give you a cigarette. In Canada, they're hiding their cigarettes because it's 10 bucks a pack, and you know, it's just the – uh, we're kind of cheap, actually, compared to them, you know, and they don't have a lot of money, but they're very generous with what they have. So that, that. The first trip I stayed a long time because I, uh, I was young, so it was easy to do. Of course, when you have children and that, you, you can't. So the first trip I was there, I think four or five months, and I was training every day. Uh, the only thing is people imagine, oh, you know, you trained every day. You have to understand it's like 110 degrees there. So you can't train in the afternoon. I mean, you could, but it's kind of dumb, you know, so you train in the morning, the afternoon, you sit around, don't do very much. And then in the evening you train again. But, uh,
0: Can you describe for us what was your training basically?
2: Sure. It's, um, it's sad to say, but, uh, in the Orient by then, and now even worse, Kung Fu was already dying. Uh, the young people weren't interested anymore kung fu was really big in the 60s and 70s by the mid 80s started to go down i have friends in hong kong which is like the one of the meccas of traditional kung fu is finished there's, there's just a few old guys like my age and older left you know uh, the kids don't want to learn they want to do sports instead or modern wushu whatever so when i went to malaysia that was already happening so there was a kung fu school there wasn't many students uh and the teacher gets discouraged and he's just like, oh, whatever, you know, he's not making any money. So he's just opening it for whatever reason. So that's, that's the truth. So it was kind of dirty. So, and, and it, the, my master uh, lived in the school with his wife and two children and another one on the way. But uh, so a lot of the training was on my own. And in fact, I still, that's how I learned Kung Fu. Um People say like, or did the teacher tell you how many push ups to do or how long to do the splits? No way. He would look at me and go, Train hard. And he'd leave. <laughs> and he'd go play cards, or whatever, you know, and he'd come back. And now I understand. He was like, Well, what do you want me to teach you? You don't, you, you need to practice, man. Shut up and practice. So, I, I, so I, I basically shut up and practiced. And of course, then he would look, okay, fix this, 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 and this. But uh, it was really up to me. And of course, I was lucky sometimes some, uh, another Shibwa uncles, uh, this guy called Johnny Ting, would come by and train with me, which was great for me because Johnny Ting was like a, a, a very strong, big guy. So for me to train with a guy who's, who literally could pick me up with one hand was great. You know, I mean, uh, you learn more when the guy is better than you and more senior, you know. So I, I trained in the mornings, and I trained in the afternoon on occasion, and then the evening I trained again. And uh, yeah, it was fun.
1: And the afternoon, were you like doing meditation or stuff like that?
2: They, they don't do a lot of meditation, at least at, at the lower levels. Okay, so again, meditation is something that tell you do it on yourself, and you have to do it in peace and quiet. Uh, some of the guys, they do the Qigong, something like San Chin, where you hold the air and shove it in your stomach, and then you let it go like that. It's again, it's left up to you to do it or not. So I honestly, I didn't. You know why? Because I was 24 years old. I wanted to learn how to fight and kick a bag. I didn't want to do that, you know. Now I'm starting to do it for it, you know. Uh, I'll give you a funny story, but to show you the cultural difference, you know. Uh, one time, maybe about a month and a half after I'm there, the the master, so the head of the style. So this is like Ma, Masoyama or whatever goes to me. You want to spar? So I'm like, pardon me? He goes, you want to spar? So I'm like, oh. Uh, Okay, you know, so I go to my bag and I get gloves and shin pads, a mouthpiece and a groin cup. He's on the floor crying. He's laughing so much, laughing his head off. Everybody's laughing their heads off. And I'm looking at them and they're making jokes uh, at my expense, their heads off. And then he goes, no, 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 throw the gloves away, throw the groin cup away, throw everything away. And then I learned. They're training self-defense. They say, if your hands can't take it, what are you going to do in the street? If your shins can't take it, what are you going to do in the street? So instead, they, they don't hit as hard as we have gloves, but they hit open hand, and they train their shins. And it's, and it's a big difference because with gloves, half of the stuff that we do a lot of grabbing, so half of the stuff you just can't do. You know, it's not an excuse, it's the truth. But with gloves, I, I see contact and I can grab his hand and pull whatever. So that was, that was a funny culture. And then he would always say, don't worry, if you get hurt, I'm a Chinese doctor. I can fix it in the office. And I'm like, oh my God. That was More like bruises, maybe the finger goes back if you didn't close your fingers, nothing, nothing serious. You know, they're, they're not going 100% of course, you know, just slapping hard basically.
0: And I, I have a question because you mentioned uh, modern Wushu. So for listeners who can get the difference between Kung Fu and modern Wushu or other style of Kung Fu, can okay. you make sure. us a little portrait of the thing?
2: So, so what I call classical or traditional or old school Kung Fu, people use different words, uh, is the martial arts that people practiced, say, 150 years ago. Even by 1900, there was uh how do you say a tendency to to make to water it down why so you're doing a demonstration you do something really ugly but good for fighting you're no good so instead you jump land in the splits and do cartwheels in the crowd yay, bravo so they were already unfortunately going in that direction but what happened is uh uh and then the boxer rebellion happened in 1905 that means all, all the the kung fu guys or many kung fu guys went to fight the uh english the french And they got massacred because they thought they could stop bullets, which of course they couldn't. So Kung Fu got a bad reputation within China. By 1949, when the communists took over, um, elements of communist doctrine didn't fit with traditional Kung Fu. They thought it was feudal. So the communists don't like feudal things. They thought socialist brothers are fighting socialist brothers. So they said, you know what? You can't do this old school Kung Fu no more. Also, the old school Kung Fu was related to... um, It's a group of men training with weapons. It's like the perfect revolutionaries, right? And they had associations very often with triads who were associated with revolutions and organized crime. So so the communists basically just banned it. No more fighting, no more training with real weapons. And if you get caught, this is a communist country. A bullet in the head, it's not a joke, you know? There's There's no part two, there's no chances, nothing. So they just blocked kung fu. So people continued in China practicing kung fu, uh, in secret in their kitchens and this and that but it was a risk for, at least for a certain amount of years so what the yeah. communists did is they took Chinese folk dancing Chinese opera which had a lot of um, somersaults and this kind of stuff I think Jackie Chan comes from Chinese opera by the way so uh, uh, and, and traditional kung-fu and they mixed it together and made what they considered to be acceptable so it has elements of dancing of uh, uh, theatrics uh, etc and uh, one of their ideas was by having rules where we could judge everybody does the same form or kata you say uh, uh, yeah. it's easy to judge in traditional kung fu everybody's doing different stuff it's it's hard to judge so yeah. so basically we call that shen dai wushu modern wushu what I practice is chen tong wushu traditional wushu and unfortunately uh, as again in martial arts there's another rule business is business right So in the end, like any other business, it's about money, right? So by 1980, the 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 Mao Zedong dies. The communists realize, ah, in the West they like the modern wushu, but they also like the traditional. But now they've invested all their energy in modern. So what do they do? They just tell the foreigners, oh, that's traditional. Most people can't tell the difference. So today I'll see like traditional praying mantis. I'm like, that's not traditional. Traditional ego club. Like, that's not traditional. And then some is traditional. So it's, it's very confusing. So when you see uh, Kung Fu at uh, this place or that place, some of it is traditional, some of it is modern. But unless you're an expert, you can't tell. You know? I'll give you a hint. For example, you see the guy, he's going to do a flying kick, one, two. So he runs, then he does a flying kick. That's not traditional. Try to do that in a fight. In a yeah. fight, the guy, you jump and you kick him. You don't run seven steps and then jump. So why do they run? So that they can jump high. Mm-hmm. So That's modern. Huh? Or it's, You see the difference? Yeah. yeah. Or you see the guy pushes and his leg goes back. You ever push a car? Because your leg doesn't go back. You push forward, you push from the ground, out. So if you see the guy pushing, his leg goes back. Ah, it's not traditional, you know.
1: Right. And, uh, They're all in good. The- it's different. In the other podcast we did, uh, Philip Mun was talking about the style going to the Olympic. It was the, the new modern wushu he was talking about, right? Yeah.
2: Now they might, for, for example, in the modern wushu now in China, there there's some effort, but it's kind of too little, too late. You know, they they spent millions of dollars promoting uh, Shandai Wushu, modern wushu, and practically nothing promoting traditional. Now the traditional is dying. I'm the young generation. I'm 57. The old generation are 90. It's too late you know? So some of it is getting saved. Some of it isn't, you know, but, uh, and so sometimes in the, the wushu tournaments in China, they might have a traditional division. So maybe in the Olympics, I don't know the politics. I kind of stay away from politics and stuff like that. It's a
0: waste of time. And, uh, in the other podcast, you mentioned, you practice other style uh, during your life. Uh, can you talk about it?
2: So in, I-, I was in love with white crane, it was kind of my first style, but at the time, my first teacher, uh, really wanted me to learn Wing Chun because he was teaching Wing Chun. So I studied it. I was never in love with the system. And it's uh, Wing Chun from the Sunny Tang lineage, which is a, a well-known, a very well-respected lineage, uh, Sunny Tang to Mo to Yitman Man. So it's it's authentic Hong Kong Wing Chun. So I studied it. It's just um, it's a great system, but it's uh, very uh, narrow in scope. So when you studied something that's very wide in scope and you go to something narrow, sometimes you find it boring. It doesn't mean it's no good. I'm saying it's just boring. It's like if I, every day you punch the bag, at some time I'd like to practice sword or spear just to make a change. I'm tired of punching a bag. You know what I mean? Like So that's that's kind of my attitude. So I studied uh, Wing Chun and I, I taught it for a few years. And uh, at some point there was a, a man from northern China called uh, Xu Gongwei. And uh, he was a very nice man. And he, he was like 77. And he did a northern style called Cha Chuan. And I met him. And uh, he would come to my house once a month and uh, so I studied kind of like almost the opposite of Wing Chun and White Crane, a northern style with all these big movements. By the way, that Chachuan mm-hmm. style is the main style that they created modern Wushu from because it was a big open, lots of kicks. Uh, Jeremy would be, you would be more skilled at it than I was, I'm sure. You know? <laughs> so, so I had fun doing that. And over the years, I used to do a lot of demonstrations. And one time I met a, um, a Sifu from Hong Kong. And... Uh, he did trolley foot and, uh, anyways, long story short, I kind of dropped the other two. I continued doing my white crane, and I became friends with the trolley foot master who I respected greatly. Uh, his name is Chu Kwok Chong. Now he's in Hong Kong, and I learned trolley foot too. So now you can say my wife is white crane and my girlfriend is trolley foot. I see my girlfriend once a week and my wife seven days a week, kind of thing.
0: What is trolley foot?
2: Trolley foot is um is a mixed style, Northern and Southern. It's very famous for its fighting. And he does a version of it called Chole Cholifut, which is kind of like the black sheep of the Foot family. They're even more famous for their fighting. And this Sifu is like five foot three and could knock out an elephant with one punch. You're just like, oh my God, when you see him go, oh, uh, it's all these wide swinging punches like what we would call haymakers in boxing, like bolo punches and big wide hooks. But the thing is, they're specialists in doing them. So you look, oh, he looks open, but he knows how to use it. He's going to close your gate, and then he's going to throw this punch from hell, which will knock you the, out. So it's, it's just if you're fighting a real Charlie foot guy, be careful. He's got knockout punches. And they'll often do the hook and turn and do a spinning back fist. Knockout, you know, right away. So it's a nice style. And it it shouldn't really combine with white crane but i made it work for me so i'm just that's it
1: <laughs> but it sounds like too soft style but have you ever tried a hard style like a close fist and stuff like
2: that Lee foot is slightly harder than white crane but it's a, it's a, a but it's it's odd because to have power in these punches you have to be very loose in the shoulder so you have to use your weight transfer your weight and your arm has to be loose if you tense up you're slow as hell so anything harder than that, no. But I mean, you know, you train Charlie you it's, it, it's considered an external system. You're going to be tired and bruised and sweaty and uh, etc.
0: And then after the Malaysia, when you come back here?
2: I, I was just starting. I was honestly like a brown belt at a school. The school was given to me. It was either close it or keep teaching. I was by no means an expert. And I, I, was honest with people, which is the most important. Just be honest. Just say this is what I know. If you want to study with me, okay. I'm not a master. I'm, you know, but and uh, and I, but of course, after I came back from Malaysia, I. Uh,
1: you I, had I'm your black, black belt, out. yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, we don't have black belts, but yeah, in Malaysia, they definitely made me the equivalent of a black belt. In the kung, in the traditional kung fu world, they they um, there's certain things that are like the. Um, this means you're at instructor level. So one is one of the forms. So the this form in White Crane call. Chisu Disa, it means 72 ground demons. So, just the name kind of tells you 72 ground demons. It's it's a long, it's a lot of tricky elbows and rolling on the ground. And, you know, people want to learn it, then they look and they, go, oh, I don't want to learn that form. It looks hard, you know, kind of thing. So, I learned that. Also, the dao is a big, uh, like a halber a big, big, uh, like a sword on the end of a staff, like a naginata, but big that's another weapon. If you know that weapon, now you're instructor level. So they made sure I knew all the instructor level material. I came back. The the following year in 1990, right away, I invited Master Lee again to Canada. So he came and he stayed three months. So in two years, I spent eight months with the Grand Master. And and then the following year, my best student went to Malaysia. We just kept going back and forth over the years. I think I went... um, five or six times my master came to Canada five or six times and when he came he came like 3 4 months cuz you want to make the best of it you know
1: yeah yeah sure and did you ever start like competing in through the the process or a
2: uh... a little bit you have to understand again at this time uh if i went to a karate tournament in fact one one time i went to Jean-Fernet's tournament and as at uh, those days it was a big tournament and i did double broadsword nobody even looked at me and then I realized, okay, I probably need to bring it up a notch, but also the judges have no FN idea what I'm doing.
1: Because it was it was an open, uh, open competition, I guess.
2: It was an open competition, and then the guy next to me is doing like a Kama with a spinning back kick, which if he tried that against, you know, it's not, it's not traditional. That would be a stupid thing to do in in, uh, in in combat with those weapons to throw a kick. You know what I'm saying? But regardless, it doesn't matter. But there wasn't many Kung Fu tournaments. Uh, there was one called the Canadian Chinese Guosu. Guosu means Kung Fu. Uh, and those I did compete. The first year, I, uh, I lost because I didn't have a backup form. I was tied and I didn't have a backup form. So I learned something about competitions, you know. And uh, the second year, I won first place. And the third year, I won first place in forms and weapons. But of course, it was easy. I was with the Grand Master coaching me for three months before the competition. And then I, I got out of... I got a few gold places and I got out of competition.
1: And uh, did you ever uh, introduce student in it after that? Did you have students through uh, your school? That oh, do oh you yeah, I had itself? many students
2: okay. go. And com- you know, competition isn't our main thing. But mm-hmm. if there's a good competition and I have people who want to compete, of course, they'll go, you know. But mm-hmm. we, we're going to tend to go more to... Kung Fu competitions because of the judging. It's not, it's just like if somebody asked me to judge jujitsu, I know nothing about jujitsu. How can I possibly yeah. judge it? So mm-hmm. it's, it's just not fair, you know? So mm. so uh, over the years, I had that in the United States, there's this U- United States Guo Shu Federation, which is a big federation. And we went a few times for the full contact there. And that's very entertaining, full contact, elbows, knees, flying punches, whatever you want, throw the guy on the ground. So I had mm-hmm. one student uh, who's going to open a school uh, probably this year, next year. Uh, who who won
1: three times uh, in the U.S. Kung Oh wow, that wouldn't be here. They, they couldn't do that fight here, right? Like it wouldn't be legal. Okay, yeah.
2: But but what's nice is there is uh, it's really well done. It's really professional. I can send you a link. U.S. Kung show You Google Lei Thai. The judging is fantastic. It's clean. You know, it's safe. So it's well done. But and and a lot of it is amateurish because most Kung Fu guys have no competition background. We don't yeah. know where to go.
1: So a mm-hmm. lot of the guys
2: are hopping in for the first time,
1: mm-hmm. and then
2: where it gets dangerous is when there's a guy who did fifty competitions fighting a guy who is his first time. So that mm-hmm. gets dangerous, you know. And uh, in French we say la civière. How do you say that in English? uh
1: the medic. The paramedics
2: yeah. come two, three times a day and leave with a guy on a stretcher, like literally guys broken shoulders. This it's quite rough, you know. So anyways, mm. my student did great and uh, we were proud when we have Canadians who are winning first place, second place, third place for the United States. It's, uh, it feels good.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: And uh, what you were saying uh, concerning the, the weapons is b- basically when you go to the tournament, everybody else was doing mostly Japanese weapon, and you came with your Chinese weapons.
2: Yes, and it's, it's not because it's Japanese or Chinese. A lot of it was like modern interpretation of weapons.
1: So, yeah you know, but like, yeah that's why I think it's were, because open was trending and you came with something uh, more like traditional and yes. the, I think it was missing division back then because it was but like probably, it was too probably, new yeah, a long time yeah, yeah. ago. I, this mm-hmm. is probably
2: 1991 or 2 I don't remember, you know a long time ago. Mhm. So, I could just see the blank look on the, the judges faces and I was like yeah there's no way going to do
1: Yeah, for sure. But if you put your form in traditional category and their form in open form then you know you can have a, a, a good Probably. competition then yeah Probably. that's what we have now because in WKC we have like hard style now we have uh, freestyle we have kung, uh, not kung fu soft style so you can do pretty much uh, your style you know
2: see what you you almost said something but you you held it back but this made me laugh so many times oh you should go in soft styles and I'm looking at the guy really so you think white crane chole foot and hungar are soft styles? Man. You know, it's it's a, it's a mistake. You know, it's just so wide expression soft styles because they were looking at Tai Chi and they were looking at Wushu guys in pajamas doing all kinds of twists and turtles. But you know, it's just nothing to do. With it. imagine I stop on and the guy's doing San Chin Kata really hard. You like this is soft style? Like what are you talking about? You know, like so it's uh.
1: No, you would put your cla- your your form in uh, a hard style, I think. I think so. If yeah, you would definitely. come,
0: yeah. Yeah, probably,
1: and. How come uh, did you
0: uh, get in contact with the Chinese culture here? Because you mentioned in the other podcast that uh, your wife is Chinese, I, th- I think. Yeah. So how did that happen? Did you met her out there or when you come back?
2: I think, you know, it, this is just um, nothing to do with Kung Fu. I always like the exotic. The, the, you know, it's like, so I'm one of my, I'll give you an example. One of my Chinese friends, he always dates blonde girls. So I always go, why do you date blonde girls? I go, why don't you date Chinese? He goes, ah, they remind me of my sister. So for me I'm interested by the exotic the the dark skinned girl the chinese that's just personal you know and uh, I met I, I met my wife and uh fell in love and that's it uh,
0: basically that that probably allow you to know the culture oh, better
2: it, it it probably helped a lot also over the years I would bring masters to my home and mm-hmm. I'm not so sure how many french canadian women would have been thrilled about having some guy from china who doesn't live like us who doesn't it's, it's a big difference, you know, uh, for months. Like my master, uh, in Chinese, we say ke. Ke means guest. A guest in a formal sense, like he's a guest, okay? So he would eat and leave his dish on the table and walk away. And my wife is looking at him like, you know? Uh, but in, and I understand in his culture, that is what's done.
1: Mm-hmm. When I would
2: go to Malaysia, I would try to wash dishes and they would shove me away. You're our guest. But in our culture, that's a little low. Not, not such a great guest, right? So how many women would have tolerated that? I don't know, you know? And for months, I mean, I've had many, many masters live at my house most of my life. Mm-hmm. And neighbors never say anything because they go, well, that guy's crazy, Kung Fu and swords. <laughs> so...
0: <laughs> and how many weapons did you have in your style? Because I saw some picture from your school and...
2: You know, the, the Chinese like to use certain uh, numbers, uh, because of religious reasons 18 36 72 180 it has more to do with religion than anything else so we say we have 18 weapons but as actually a lot more There's probably 22 23 sometimes they won't sometimes they won't even there's there's one weapon I'm not even allowed to talk about it. secret they just shut up that's the rule yeah this is you know i talk about it. Uh, and some weapons is like an umbrella a fan so an umbrella today, like if I want to make money, I can do an umbrella seminar and make five ten thousand dollars. People really want to learn that, you know, because it's cool and it's a fa- practical. In the old days, that was like not even considered a weapon, but oh, we know how to use it. You want to learn how to use it, but it's a real weapon was a single broadsword, double broadsword, spear, whatever. But now uh, umbrella, fan. These are very popular. Cane is very popular too, you know. Um, and some of the weapons in the old days, they didn't like to teach like double diggers because that's a killer's weapon. So in our world, like, you know, if the, the people f- want to kill each other, they'll use guns or bombs basically in in, Mo- in Montreal <laughs> anyways, you know, in Malaysia, and uh, now they're starting to use guns, but until recently, people fight with knives still. So if you teach people how to use a knife, you understand he might, he might use it. Yeah. Right. So it's different. And, and uh, when, it, again, when it's using knives for real, this is very dangerous. Like for, for instance, we hold a knife like, generally like this, like a dagger. So if you hit somebody like that, he's not gonna live because you just went seven inches through his body. There's no way he's gonna, it's not a cut. That cut is bad, but this is even worse. This is I mean?
1: a stab, so, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's a stab basically, you know? So but yes, there are a lot of weapons. And uh, the problem these days is finding somebody who wants to learn half of them. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I did because it's my job, but uh, and I practice it because it's my job. But you know, after you learn three spear kata and ten staff forms, and you're like uh, enough already. <laughs> like,
0: uh... And what would you say to somebody who could ask uh, what is the use in modern days to learn, for example, uh, the fan, for example, as a as a weapon?
2: Sure, sure, of course. So first of all, the weapons are part of the system you'd be surprised how many things are in the weapons forms so sometimes i spark see what'd you do that what is that what is that i'm like it's our kung fu Where does it come from oh oh the footwork oh that's in the staff it wasn't in the kata it's in the staff so if you if you're smart also if you can say you strike down with your hand now we do it with the staff guess what if you do it a thousand times with the staff you're going to hit harder or not if a, if you have a low stance which we like to use for fighting if you have a heavy staff or halberd in your hand it better be low or else you're going to tip over so the weapons training is part of what we do you just can't separate it and then the the other thing too it's a link to the culture of course the the heritage the martial heritage and so in the end if kung fu has to be more than just fighting i mean if i want to if i'm get somebody hurts my family I'm just gonna get a gun and a knife oh you are we fucking around here or not if, it, if it's, i'm from shamedi laval it's rough there if you want to party this is i know what to do i got a baseball bat but why, why would i get you know what i'm saying so 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 we're doing this for art as much as for self-defense true so uh uh so also when you learn a long weapon a short weapon a double weapon uh a flexible weapon at some point anything becomes a weapon so i can use a pen a glass a cell phone a credit card the lamp the rope whatever so that's the other a, a chair i used to practice with my master sitting in a chair taking the chair hitting the guy and sitting it back you should do hundreds of these oh and then oh that's gangster style no that's real kung fu it's for fighting so
0: yeah that's pretty much the point right
2: originally yes and then as i was saying for me not depends like say thai boxing i love thai boxing i think thai boxers in the ring band number one these guys are that's what they do they're really good at it you know this being said, I would get bored out of my brains. Imagine 10 years just kicking the bike all the time. At some point, like, there's got to be something else. So, so then the practicing spear or practicing knife or practicing, just, it just becomes uh, a form of having fun for me um, amongst others. Just making it interesting, you know?
1: Right. And, I, and by the same time, you're getting in shape and you keep training
2: absolutely and and it's all related it's not like the moves in spear or the body positions in spear are different from the ones in the hands in the traditional system it's all the same moves so i'll get up for a second if i stand up and i do this right so the guy kicks me and i block i hit his leg but if i do with a knife a spear a staff two swords it's the same move so people think oh it's it's hard to learn all these things no it's not it's the same moves except with a weapon so it's actually not hard at all really you know there's something a little difference but
1: uh and that's why i tell my student every time it's if you do something do it 100 percent right if so when you're gonna do it it's gonna be easy all the time if you don't do it right it's gonna be hard all the time it's like come that's on. right and, and if um, the fundamentals
2: are perfect if your stance is perfect well then everything's easy to do you know
1: right 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 because you don't because you don't botch the job you do it right all the time you don't have to lie to yourself you know <laughs> And, um and we see in uh, too on uh, your Facebook and stuff that you you have like contact Sport. and you own it is it yeah. is it is it that how did, yeah. did they come what happened is, when? Uh,
2: uh, thanks for the plug by the way yeah 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 <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> well amazing place is, uh, uh, thank you uh, I think by 93, 94, I actually had a, a degree in political science. So I could have worked in politics or or something related to politics and I was teaching Kung Fu. In those days I was making say 30,000 a year, but this is 1988. So it was okay for, yeah, it was okay for a young man. You know, I had jobs. Then I got jobs offered to work in Quebec city in parliament. And I was like "Ah, for about the same salary, I'd rather do Kung Fu. So then I was doing Kung Fu and I said, but I'll never get rich. The only way I'll get rich is if I lower my standards or you know, in those days, do a tai class or whatever it was. You know, I, It's not what I wanted to do. It's okay, but it's just it wasn't for me, you know. So I said, what can I do to still do something I love? And then I saw some other gentleman that opened stores, and I went and I opened the store. And I was lucky. My father worked for uh, Tony Accurso, and Tony Accurso owned the shopping mall, uh, Les Galerie Laval, and so was basically friends. And Tony goes to me, open a school in Laval. I already had one in Montreal and a a school slash store. And I go, no, no, it's okay. And he's, with me, he was a very nice man. He goes, Lauren, what can you afford to pay? And I go, I can't afford much. How much? I says this, he goes, okay, done. Here's the contract. So I got a good deal. And uh, that's how I started Contact Sports. And I was a president of a Kung Fu Federation. So I knew at least 30 Kung Fu schools. So maybe half of them might buy off me. So just like Jukado, when they opened, of course he had this Judo and Aikido business right uh, uh um uh jean sport was because he was affiliated with the kickboxing he did fantastic uh, and also cuz he was the only guy in canada in those days <laughs> when he first started so for me i had i had a foundation with the kung fu and which later on you know expanded to karate and all the other arts so now contact sports is doing quite well yeah
0: we at our school mm-hmm. we purchase uh, sometimes some stuff from your business too yes from, yes i appreciate yeah. it yeah and uh and then you open the store that allow you to concentrate on your school as a business, as a job.
2: Yeah, So th- then I could have the store make, you know, I'm making up a number. Say I make thirty thousand with the store, and then thirty thousand with the school. I'm like, Oh, okay. Th- I can live this way. I'm not rich, but I'm happy. You know.
1: Yeah, the stores, yeah totally. I,
2: I like to work. So mm-hmm. I like picking up boxes. I like meeting people. And the store, oh, like, I met so many martial arts people there. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, They're all my well, friends now.
1: When I go there, it's like Toys R Us, you know. It's like it's like Toys R Us for us. I'm like, oh wow, captain! Some forms something. So nice. Yeah, yeah sometimes
0: for, sometimes
1: for sure. Sometimes I see the sure. wives.
2: No, 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 no. You're not going to spend all your money here. He's ah, just one those, and no, no, no. he's out. You know. But uh, it's really fun now. I have so mm-hmm. many friends, or seventh dance eighth dance whatever. Uh, so many and, and 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 you know in the martial arts 99.9 percent of the people are really nice people very pleasant yeah. you know because once or once when you meet a jerk he's always nobody anyways he's not skilled in martial arts you know mm-hmm. when the real ones are always super nice and uh and we get to know each other and develop uh, uh knowledge about each other and respect and some mm-hmm. of my very good friends now is one is a Shotokan guy one is a taekwondo guy we're really good friends you know so
0: mm-hmm.
2: i love
0: that yeah that's nice mm. And then what is the future for your school? Because now uh, you have uh, one in the US, did you operate yourself in the US or it's a student?
2: No, for, for me, I'm a, I'm a kind of old fashioned Chinese way. I, I I care that the guy is qualified to teach. I'm very difficult about that. OK, because, you, you know, the standards were. Uh, uh, um, after that, it's not a business relationship. I just tell them, this is what you need to do. They give me very little a year, maybe buy their T-shirts off me or, you know, that's about it. I don't really care. So the guy in New York, what it is, is uh, in the year 2000. So I I, I guess by 2000, 2005, it was my peak. I was young and strong, you know. So uh, he comes to visit me. He's a fourth man in Goju Ryu. And by coincidence, my master, the head of the white crane style, was in Montreal. So he comes with his uh, senpai, who's, a, 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 of course, a goju rio master. And they they come to visit us. Very friendly exchange. They're very classy suits and ties. And, you know, so we, we practice together. I show you yours, you show you mine. Because it's goju, it already looks like white crane anyways. So I was, we're like, oh, wow, it's very interesting, very close already. But they were really impressed with my master because he's like fast as lightning, you know. So uh, a long story short, uh, uh, this guy, John Jackson, uh, he asked me to become my student. And I said, sure. And I, I, uh, he kind of didn't do the certification as I would normally because he lives far away. Plus, he's already a master. He's a fourth dan. I knew he's classy. I knew he's intelligent. I knew he's a nice guy. And I was right. He's one of my classiest students. He's always there for me. If I ask him one thing, it's 100% he'll do it. And he trains hard. So great.
1: And it's more like uh, it's keep the 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 style alive too.
2: I'll tell you a funny story. So when he first when he first started learning with me, we do uh, something push hands. It's like sparring when your hands touching, right? So this guy's uh, I'm uh, I'm more of a technical guy. I'm not I'm not an athlete, you know, or I, not in my mind. But this guy is a big strong, big strong, big American, you know. So we're doing push hands, and I'm hitting him more often than not. And then, bam! I get a reverse punch. And I could feel it like in my brain. I'm like, oh my God, that was really hard. (laughs) So after, I kicked him really hard and we kept training. Mm -hmm. Five years later, he tells me, you know that time? I go, yeah, he goes, I couldn't drive. I go, what do you mean you couldn't drive? He says, I couldn't use my leg. It was numb. He he had to drive with his left foot all the way back to the US. (laughs) And and I was like, I have to tell you, you punched me really hard. I didn't want to show it, but then later, wow, man, this guy's tough, you know, so good times.
1: No, no, uh, that happened to me once. Uh, Kishi did something in the, in a the class, and then it was like uh, he did a dragon head, you know, like that. So with the two uh, little knuckle, course. and I was yeah, like, yeah. Man, that doesn't seem very effective. <sighs> yeah, Man. that's not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, no. So I know I learned that that day, and uh, so I did a, a hook, a block, it did the dragon head, and the muscle, and then I, I was driving like that one one yeah. arm. I couldn't use yeah. that arm for like half the day, and I was like. Jeremy, shut the hell up in the class now. <laughs> and,
2: uh, we all
1: heard. So, yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. So, so that dragon head in my white crane is our main fist is this. It's the only fist we use. Mm-hmm. So we're doing that all the time. Yeah, oh, yeah that, that, that oh, seems uh, similar uh, to, uh, uh,
0: to uh, Weichi Ryu, what Weichi Ryu is doing. Yes,
2: yes, yes. In fact, I'm friends with this uh, Weichi Ryu master. Uh, I think he's in Nova Scotia, Jim Maloney. Mahoney, sorry. Mahoney. uh, I've seen his Wei Chi Ryu. It's excellent. And uh, it really does. I mean, you could say Wei Chi Ryu is a Kung Fu system because it is. I mean, I look at it and I'm like, wow, this is so similar. It's ridiculous. You know, they're a little bit harder than White Crane and the stances are different, but the techniques and the flavor and how they use it is very, very similar.
0: And uh, what is the future for you? You say uh, your prime was like in uh, 20 years ago so how do you envision the future of your school now you you probably uh, start uh, thinking about uh, retiring uh
2: i had a, a few projects i i uh i uh i wrote a few books i just wrote another one i made a dvd the dvd was important to me because it, it's featuring my teacher now he passed away so now mm-hmm. that dvd is like man who was the smart guy who filmed the grandmaster because if you had asked my grandmaster can i film you back in the day he would have told you that, take a jump off a bridge you know what I mean fortunately because mm-hmm. we were friends I got to film them so mm-hmm. that's what I've done so far and now I just want to relax and train and and des uh, and and create the next generation of instructors I right. have a few guys who are quite skilled mm-hmm. and I have a few more uh, that just need that little push but the problem is at a certain age they are married they have children and then they don't have as much time and that's that's a tough I can't I can't change that But I'm trying. Yeah, here.
0: Just came out uh,
2: last week, actually. This was written by my teacher, uh, Grandmaster Li, and uh, 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 it was written in Chinese. So, uh, long story short, I told him, A, the book is too short, because in Chinese, you could write four characters, and you could talk about those four characters for a long time. But if you just read it, it's just four words. Mm-hmm, you understand? so I have to take the four words and explain it by five paragraphs because people don't understand, you know, yeah It's, this, it's just a Chinese way of writing and oh, so wow. I, 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 lengthened, I, I lengthened the book. I explained some of like what they call idioms. So he would say um, Use the four principles of swallow spit float and sink most people, what the hell is he talking about, you know? But then I'm like, I know what he's talking about. So then I explain. So swallow, my hand comes back, spit, it shoots back out, uh, float, sink, you know? So every movement has some of those inside it, you know? So anyway, so so we basically I became co-author, so myself and my teacher. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I tried to do a good job because he passed away, sadly, just before the book was out. So we, oh. we really did everything we could to, to make it right. Oh, wow. It's available at Contact Sports. It's also available uh, – uh, actually, if you just – yeah, if you just go to Contact Sports, press White Crane, you'll find it. Right away. I also have some American customers. There's a a, a, um, a book company called Plum Publications owned by Ted and Debbie Mancuso. They specialize in hard-to-find, mainly Chinese martial arts books. But I'm talking like the hardest book to find they probably have in stock. You're like, are you kidding? You know? So they mm-hmm. buy a lot of my books, and we're good friends
1: okay okay so, sure so, so it's
2: available with plum publications and contact Sport. so
0: we're gonna put the link to contact sport for people who wants to read the book is uh, it's in english right
2: yes it's in english i you know i could write it in french although it'd be a, a little bit more difficult for me but uh I, français, so the problem is the market is small so look uh, you know i'll sell like 40 books in quebec and like you know how much a translation cost my God, it's it's a fortune, you know, like, so even if I, even if I write it in French, I still need to get it proofread many times, especially French, which is a difficult language, uh, mm-hmm. et etc. you know, so I'm going to be full of spelling mistakes. And, uh, I forgot to put S here and this and that, and for 40 books. Meanwhile, in English, I sold some to Singapore, Hong Kong, Malaysia, the United States. So that's why. But of course, if I have a student who says, "Can I translate to French?" Please, please do. I'll, I'll be thrilled. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. It's just
2: business, basically. You know.
1: Mm-hmm. And time, and time, because you have other other yes, other yes, Yeah. Yes, yes. Oh wow! So we we're gonna read that book for sure, Menu, and do a review. Thank
2: you. What, what what we did in the book too is uh. Um, uh put the set the story straight because unfortunately we're getting like our white crane is a branch called flying crane and we were starting to hear guys claiming to do flying crane here and there and sometimes it's not uh it's not that they're lying they might have a form called flying crane you know but there's but we're the style called flying crane so the, the guy might not be dishonest but i told my teacher it's time to set the record straight so now we said, look, we are the flying crane. This is our lineage. And here's the 300 pictures from the 50s. These are old pictures. Like, so, 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 so here's the proof. It's Anybody looks, yeah, okay. It's, there's no way you can argue that. Uh, even the Shaolin Temple doesn't have pictures from the 1950s. We have hundreds. So, so, so we wanted to do that. And then I wanted to tell the story of his father. Uh, and it's, uh, normally my teacher would tell me after a few beers. When he's in a good mood, then it's tell the time my father did this and the time my father. So I remembered them all and I wrote them down with his permission, of course. And uh, uh, so it makes for a good read. The, my, my first book was written, I would say, 1990. A little bit amateurish. Computers were new. The Internet didn't exist, just to put it in perspective, okay? My second book was the first book done properly. The second book was about the history and the basic movements. So we have very, sh- uh, like a one, two, three is one basic move, for instance. So I put all the basic moves, the history, uh, the, the theories, like I was talking before, swallow, spit, float, sink, etc. So it's a good, I won't say a Bible, but a, a good solid introduction to White Crane. The third book, this one here, is more details about our history, the Grandmaster. Uh, a lot of applications because I know applications sell books, basically, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and um, some on staff. My southern styles of kung fu. If there's one thing they're good at, it's staff. Like really good at. Just like if you want to learn knife fighting, the Filipinos, these guys are good. You know, what I mean, uh, there's no low kicks, Thailand. You know, katana, uh, Japan, staff, Southern China. So in our White Crane. Uh, we're not the only ones, but uh, the staff was really excellent. So my my Sifu put some staff techniques and some advice. And the average person will read it, oh, it's nothing. And I'm like, yeah, you don't understand. You want to read that again, and you want to think about it, and you want to do it. This is important, you know. But uh, So so I'm happy that he did it because it's uh, it is important. Yeah. The problem with these things is sometimes your teacher gives you advice, and if you're not of the proper level, you can't appreciate it. You know, it's like the guy says, hit with your body, hit with your whole body, but the guy doesn't understand what you mean. You know?
1: Yeah, you cannot say a message that someone is not ready to understand.
0: Yeah, basically. But often you receive something and then you don't understand it, and it grows on you, and later you will get get it.
1: Mm-hmm. There's
2: a there's a famous uh, kuntao silat master who I met only once, but uh, I was impressed. His name is Willem de Tour's, and uh, a, a very tough man, uh, very skilled. And uh, I saw this is his quote, not mine. I don't want to steal somebody's quote. And he said, Bruce Lee said, uh, what does he say? Study everything and absorb what is useful. Mm-hmm. And Willem, the two, said, study everything and keep the stuff to you don't understand till later. In other words, you might find out it's useful in 20 years. So don't just throw it away. So, so I learned this technique. It's like a circling hand. I'm looking hey, this is bullshit. How could I stop a reverse punch with the circling hand? You know what? Now I can do it easily. Mm. So it's just a question of... Uh,
0: I think it's in ground. the other podcast we did with you that we discussed the fact that, you know, uh, the youngins, they came to our school and often they say some stuff like, we should do real fights, you know, like MMA, blah, 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 to learn how to fight. And then in the other podcast, we discussed the point that, you know, in twenty years from now, if you had like eight concussion doing MMA fighting, full contact stuff, and etc., then you're you weren't you you won't be able to defend yourself because you will be uh, disabled. You will have problems. You you your body will be broken everywhere and stuff. And then when you explain it like that, they oh okay I get it. So but you still have to train like the more realistically possible. But I mean, if you broke your your knee, you broke your arms and stuff. It's not useful. What
2: what what's, what's self defense? If you're hurting yourself, how are you learning self defense? You broke your knee, you broke your ribs, you broke your hand. At some point, it's getting kind of stupid. Now, when the guys are doing it for business, if the guy's a professional boxer and he broke his hand, but he made thirty five million dollars that's a choice but you, you know I, I I see guys come into my store yeah you want to sponsor me uh, five grand I'll write your name on my butt I felt like I would give you 50 bucks first of all I don't like my name on your butt second of all you're probably gonna lose in seven seconds and, and and unless my name is on your butt for 10 years nobody's even gonna notice you know and you know and these guys are tough guys there's no doubt they're tough guys but as you said how much does the chiropractor bill amount to after 20 years 20,000, 30,000, <laughs> come on, you know, like, so, so I agree with you, the the traditional martial arts, uh, uh, two days ago, I did a seminar with a Mak Chikong Sifu, 70 years old, his stances are so low, it's unbelievable, 70 years old, I asked him, what do you do, and he's, he just smiled, he answered me very nice, but there's a perfect example of how martial arts can keep you fit to 70 years old, his low stances are better than most young people's, you know, so, so, Yes, if you want to like, you know, if you're fighting somebody tomorrow in a street fight, yeah, by all means, train something hard. But is it necessary? Is it a good idea? Or at least you might want to temper You want to do MMA, good for you. But temper it with the knowledge. How much am I making off this? Is it worth it? Is it, you know. By the way, in the 70s and 80s, a concussion was called a headache. We were just like, yeah, whatever.
1: Yeah, but when you take a look at Mohamed Ali last years, it is sad. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, George St. Pierre, like, he retired at the good time, I think, because after a fight, he looked like a mess. And even though, like, sometimes at interview, he's a little slow, but now he's better. But when when he used to have an interview after a fight, that wasn't fast. Like, because, you know... So I think it was the good time like, to him to, to stop. Even though he could, it doesn't mean he should, you know, because... Well, he's an
2: intelligent man, first yeah, of yeah. all, so that's...
1: But people don't get that. They're like, oh, keep going, George. Well, man, and, that's and health know, I, but, at some point, you know? He doesn't have to prove anything more.
2: Of course not. No. And you yeah. guys are all fighters, so you mm-hmm. know the difference between a 16-ounce glove and an MMA glove. A 4-ounce mm-hmm. glove right in the face by heart. That's, that's crazy, stupid, painful. That's mm-hmm. hard. I don't want to get hit like that. Agreed? Yeah. So I mean, you know, you're young, maybe you can take a few people who know how to hit right in the face by a 4 ounce glove. That's not a joke. You, uh-uh. you, it's not healthy, man. It's just It's not almost
1: healthy. as is nothing, you know. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. and the rubber is is going to I I the more he's going to hit is going to open your skin. So it's like and, and, It's not and cool. hitting
2: doesn't hurt his hand. Yeah. So he can hit more. <laughs> you know yeah,
1: right? yeah, I don't know. It's a no tough. joke. Mhm. Yeah, no joke. kung fu basic yeah
2: there's quite a few actually i don't i'm not a big uh mma fan or i'm not
1: mm-hmm.
2: let me rephrase that i don't watch a lot of sports on tv i don't watch hockey i don't watch baseball i don't watch anything so mma i i, I follow on occasion as a party and they want to watch and for me it's uh, irritating because all the guys at the party are screaming what the fighters should do and not one of them trains <laughs> right I'm just, I'm just like oh god whatever you know but uh Regardless, I know there's there's several kung fu guys in MMA. I just could, I think uh, Jeremy could name them more than I could. But I do know you'll see plenty of kung fu techniques. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I don't like, and 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 this isn't any sp- is you take somebody's technique and then you say it's yours. And I'm like, well, that's rather dishonest. You know, and now mm-hmm. it's an MMA spinning back fist. You know, Superman punch, eighteen fifty, choy lee foot. It's called fei chop choy. You fake with the knee, pop. You punch with the leopard fist. It's mm-hmm. nothing new. So it's okay to take the techniques, but at least give credit where credit is due. So well, I think people stole see, it you know, and
1: don't even know it now in mixed martial arts. That's
2: right. That's right. Because you know, there's no yeah, respect MMA at all. Spinning back fist, I'm like, come on, the spinning backfist comes from one art or another. Hello, you know. So mm-hmm. it's same another critique you'll get often. And this is, it's just the people who don't know, you know. I'll show two of my not bad students sparring. The guy goes, all oh, right, looks like kickboxing. Where's the kung fu? Time out kind of a stupid comment so if I punch with a Phoenix eye here here's my Phoenix eye I punch with a leopard fist. now I put a glove on oh he's doing boxing how can I win so if you punch me and I use high-level kung-fu and I dodge and hit you the guys where's the kung-fu I thought he was gonna do the crane it's, it just gets stupid you know what I mean so people don't know what they're talking about most of the time you know so in other words any martial art within a confined rules is going to look very much like the other guys given or take a few techniques because of the rules, because of the gear, uh, you know? Was I going to stand in a flying crane stance like this with gloves on while the guy punches me in the stomach? Of course, not. that's stupid, you know?
0: <laughs> so, you know, I think it's a good uh, ending. There's a good ending, yeah. Yeah, thank you very much for your time. And you. uh, we hope coming. we could uh, have you some other time with uh, other masters. Hope to see you in my store we'll have some tea.